Well, Stu, you've planted a church where? In Oran Park. Oran Park. So who knows? Does that mean anything to anyone? Who remembers what Oran Park used to be? Yep. Tim likes to tell me I'm personally responsible for removing the racetrack and the races from Oran Park. This is largely untrue, although it is completely covered in houses, although there is a street called The Straight. Good. Which goes on to Peter Brock Drive, if you'll believe that. That's for real. Okay. I love church planting, but it hurts my heart that the racetrack at Oran Park got shut down and you just plonked your church right there in the middle of it. Tim, it's so funny. I would love to have this conversation with you, but I've got some really important things to talk about. Okay. Okay. Snap. Um, well, good. How about you just talk? <laughs> Mate, I, I banter all day. We, we, can, we can do that for sure. Um, what, what I thought I'd do, uh, you know, I've been given a very brief amount of time to tell you about something I'm very passionate about and I want to share with you. Um, I've been asked to talk about um, connecting with your community. And uh, Scott actually asked me to connect it with the research that's been done by Ed Stetzer. And I looked at that and I've done those slides and I, there's just not enough time to do that. So assume that it does connect. And, uh, and we'll pick it up from there. Um, so, uh, so what has to change? The bit I really wanted to say at the start was um, this, the research actually tells us we're actually doing heaps of connection with our community. That's what it tells us, that all of you are doing it. And so what value can I add? Uh, at one level, I just want to tell you to keep going. It's incredibly important if we want to evangelise churches into existence that somehow we're starting by connecting with our communities. That, that's absolutely vital. But I want to think with you a little bit, just some things I've reflected on. Before I, I started uh, New Life Anglican Church in Oran Park, I spent six years at Fig Tree Anglican Church uh, where I was responsible for evangelism there. And uh, my wife tells me not to say this, but I reckon I spent about five of those six years failing at my job not understanding what I was trying to do. And I've been reflecting on that and some of the things I'm going to tell you, some of the lessons I've learnt uh, from those years. So what has to change? Just some things for us to think about. Maybe you've already got them sorted, but here's some things um, I'd like us to think about. Um, In Mark chapter 10, uh, a rich man comes to Jesus and, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I'm telling you guys, and you guys are all ready to come up and preach it, right? But here's the thing. I was sitting there one day and I thought, why is work in Australia so hard? Why is work in Australia so hard? Jesus said it's impossible for the rich man to enter the kingdom. of It's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. And there's all sorts of rubbish about gates in Jerusalem and all that thing. He thought of the biggest moving thing he could find and the smallest gap he could find. And he said, this thing will never go through this thing. And the disciples said, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. With not with God. All things are possible with God. And I was thinking about that, I was thinking, gee, that makes it hard for the rich, doesn't it? That means that the rich can't enter the kingdom of God. And I thought, well, okay, well, who are the rich? And I just had a thunderbolt moment where I went, I'm rich. Every single person that I'm doing ministry to is rich. That changed everything for me because it's impossible for them to enter the kingdom of God. Do you get that? And so what I want us to do is to get that if it's like that, and we've been talking about a spiritual battle, then it is impossible for us to program them in, yeah? We know this already. And so what I kind of want to do is I want to encourage us to pray for camels. Seriously, that that the work of salvation will only happen in prayer, yeah? Now, I want us to be organized. I'm going to tell you a whole bunch of stuff to do. But if we're not praying for camels to go through the eye of needles, we've just messed everything up. And we're relying on ourselves. And Jesus said it was impossible. Do we believe that? So I want us to pray for camels. 
Um, I also want us to fundamentally change. This is a huge thing I learned from being at Fig Tree. Um, I think when we say the word evangelism, people feel guilty, they feel scared, and they feel ill-equipped. Now, when we say evangelism, we paralyze our people because they, they, they have in their head, and literally I've, talked to hundreds, I've trained hundreds of people, and what they have in mind is this thing here and somehow them being up in front of their friends and family preaching somehow when we say evangelism. So I want to fundamentally change our view of evangelism from a, a sweaty conversation, which is truly just terrifying for our people. It paralyzes them to actually thinking about more steps. Change it from one sweaty conversation to more steps. Get down that slope a step at a time. Actually change the nature of what we're asking people to do from a paralyzing, terrifying, sweaty conversation into steps that they can practically do. I want to say what that means, though, if you change this concept, is that there are things that you can do that are part of the process, that are helpers, that aren't actually strictly evangelism. And so if I was to say, this is evangelism, you'd all say, oh, no, no, that's not evangelism, that's something else. And all I want to say is let's agree it's not evangelism, but it's a helper to evangelism, and we can actually celebrate those steps along the way. What that enables you to do then is to look at your events that you run, the ministries that you run, and say, what is this actually doing? What does this event do? And I'm going to show you, we, we, in my reflection, I've gone from talking about evangelism as a sweaty conversation to a process which has four steps in it. Connecting, caring, communicating and leading people to commit. Connect, care, communicate and leading people to commit. And what that's done for us is it lets us say about events, hey, this event here is a 2C activity. We're actually only trying to connect and care in this activity. So if no one gets converted here, you don't actually have to go, that was a, that was a terrible waste of time. Provided you know that you're going to have another opportunity to do communicate and commit at another point in time. Does this make sense? Here's the crazy awesome thing. When I tell my people it's a 2C activity, do you know what they do? They relax. Do you know what happens when they relax? They talk naturally about Jesus. It's absolutely incredible. I think what you then have to do is you have to work out that links matter. So if this is a 2C activity... I've actually got another one. So we've connected and cared. I'm actually looking forward to the one where we communicate and lead people to commit. But I've got to link them from this one to the next one. And if I don't, really, I've just had a nice afternoon. Okay, the, the bit that you really want to know that we're actually going to do is actually the last C. We actually do need to call for commitment and we need to get better at doing it. Actually asking Australians, today is a great day to raise the flag of surrender, to give your life to Jesus, to give up on being self-centered and trusting in yourself. Today is a great day for that to happen. And to believe under God, because we've been praying for them, camels can go through the eye of needles. That can really happen for actual Australians. So I was sitting with a girl, and I'm saying to her after I presented the, the outline of the gospel to her, I said, does this make sense to you? And she says, well, it's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? I'm sitting there going, did you just say that? And I said, well, you know, we could do something about that today. And she said, that'd be great. I said, like, so that would be like involving praying now. She said, yeah. I said, well, let's pray now and do it, you know. And every Easter, this girl sends me a text and goes, today is the day that I prayed. Now, that's possible. Thinking practically. So you'll go, that's a great idea. What does it actually look like in Oran Park? So let me just share some very, very quick practical things that, that we do. Uh, Oran Park is a, is a new suburb in, in, uh, in Sydney where there used to be a racetrack. Thank you, Tim. And uh, where they're putting about 700 homes a year in like this. 
And what that means is this place here turns out like that regularly all the time. Three houses a day get started, okay? We believe that's really important because we believe lives, lives in transition are open. So when you pick up everything and you relocate to a new suburb, right, you're thinking afresh about everything. Where's my hairdresser? Who's my next-door neighbour? And you actually have some openness, I believe, spiritually to think about where God might fit in as well. That means at New Life, we have a vision where we're trying to be you know, under God. Uh, we long to see New Life in Jesus come to every home in Oran Park and the growing Southwest for their salvation, for the good of the community and the glory of God. That, that's what we're there for. So we're committed to be perpetually dissatisfied until that happens. How do we plan to do that? We've got a really simple plan. Our plan looks like this. The church is called New Life. How do we do it? We give the message of new life and we live new life for Jesus. Four steps. You can see them here. Connect, care, communicate, commit. And on the other side, we talk about how we, how we want to build the kind of disciples we're making at New Life. In practice, this works out in a document that looks like this that actually has help for our people that tells them a question to ask, something to think about how to practically do that. I'll skip past it. I'll show you what this looks like in practice. How do we pray? So you say to your people, I want you to pray because camels get through the eye of the needles. How do we do it? We have a card we call our 316441 card. And that, that's, not, that's not God's phone number, okay? What's the famous 316 you know? It's John 316. I want you to pray John 316 for four people for one year. 316441. Who are those four people? Well, we tell people what we want you to do on your card. We give them a card like this. We say, I want you to write down a family member. You're already praying for them? Write their name down. I want you to pray for a friend. Write their name down. One friend. They go, oh, I've got 27 friends. Okay, we'll, we'll knock them off one, at a, one year at a time. Write down one person's name and we'll pray for them. Uh, pray for a next door neighbor. And people look at me and go, I, I don't know my next door neighbor's name. And I go, right, connect. Go learn their name. That's where it's going to start for you. So put that name up. The fourth one, people always look at me strangely and they go, how do I pray for someone I'm yet to meet? And I say, you pray with that card being empty until you recognize that God has brought into your life someone who wasn't there before. So you pray expectantly until you've got someone to fill that card. Does that make sense? So we ask people to pray for that daily and we pray for it in our life groups. Here's a mate of mine, Steve Harding, and he's going, how do I remember to pray for this? This card is stuck in the dashboard of my car. How cool is that? Because this is where I'll see it. So, so what does this look like in practice? Uh, we, we go out. This is a, this is a 2C activity. In Oran Park, we started by running these Corner Connect barbecues where people move into the suburbs. So we say, we're going to run a free barbecue in your street. I door knock every door, and I say, free barbecue here on Saturday. Come out and meet your neighbours. Right? Is that evangelism? No. I didn't preach Jesus. I didn't see anyone repent in sackcloth and ashes in the dust. But here's what I did. I connected with cynical Australians and I gave them something without, without asking anything back from them. We sought to be a blessing. We connected and we cared. Now, that is not the end of it. And if that's all you do, it sucks, right? It's building nice community, but it's not promoting the gospel. But here's the thing. We try and give them an invitation to the next bit. Do, do, do you get this? So we've changed that now, and we're actually running a thing called First Friday Feast at our church because uh, there's too many streets going up all over the place. So now we're saying, hey, come to the church. Every Friday, first Friday of the, of the, of the month, we're going to run a free feast. Come and meet your community. And there, as they come along to the First Friday Feast, we're going to say, we've got an invitation for you. Come back to the next thing. We put the Anglican, the Anglican College doesn't have a, a, an assembly hall, so they come to our church. When they come to our church, we invite them, say, to come to Easter. 
Uh, at Easter, a whole bunch of kids come. We have a great thing. At Easter, we invite them to come back to our open house, which is happening this Sunday. At our open house, so when our open house is on, we're going to invite them to come to our kids' camp, which is coming up in July. Okay? I'm going to ask them to commit their lives to Jesus on Sunday. I'm going to ask their kids to commit their lives to Jesus on the kids' camp in July. When we do that, we're going to have them back and we're going to say, come to our carols. And in our carols, is a, carols is a 3C activity. We're going to connect with them. We're going to care for them. We're going to speak clearly about Jesus. But I'm not expecting anyone to repent in sackcloth and ashes at the carols. I want them to sing about Jesus. We reckon that there's an awesome harvest all around us, your suburb, my suburb. And what I want us to do is to change fundamentally the way we think about it, that prayer has to be the priority, that we can celebrate things that aren't the sweaty conversation. You know, when I have connected with my neighbour, a mate of mine who is an IT guy, total introvert, okay, has been praying for his next-door neighbour, went across and met him, ran an evening where he invited his mates from church, his mates from work, and specifically invited his next-door neighbour so he could connect and care for him. Now, that's life-changing. I want to tell you, he's not saved yet, but I can celebrate that if you slow down and break it into steps. That's some stuff about connecting with your community. Uh, Well, I'm feeling a little bit intimidated. (laughs) No, that's awesome, Stu. Now, one way you can tell whether actually this is actually all happening is you get the wife up and see if that's uh, Caroline. So is it it all true? Is is that all actually happening? Yes, it's exhausting. Um, It is happening and we're seeing baby steps in our church and in our life group and it's not so daunting for people anymore and they're taking those tiny steps and we're seeing Mm. them mature as they do that Mm. and I think they're getting close to sharing their faith, which is exciting. Mm. Mm. Now, I'm going to guess that, Stu, you're a pretty kind of um, well thought through strategic kind of guy. Yeah, you would say, yep. And um, I'm I'm, I'm I'm wondering how um, some of the crew here are feeling. That was... was Impressive and um, strategic, um, structured. Um, what, what can you can you dumb it down a little bit for some of yep. us here? Because I'm I'm here in yep. I'm here in three one six four four one yeah, yeah, sure. CC. It's all, right? all, it's all right. It's all, it's all, so, so the marketing stuff is to help memorability, and I, I honestly don't care what you dress it up like. Three things I want you to remember: love your people enough not to talk about evangelism senselessly. You are killing them when you do that. Can I say that? You're killing them. You really are. Love them into a process rather than a sweaty conversation. People, love them. Okay? Prayer, that's got to be the priority. Prayer. And, and the, 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 third, the third thing is have a process. Have something other than you just need to get guilty enough and scared enough of me that you're going to have a terrifying conversation with your friends. That is just such, it's spiritual, it's, it's abusing our people. There is, as not motivated by love. So I want to put prayer as a priority because in prayer, my heart gets changed, right? I call on my Savior and he changes my heart for the people I'm committing to in prayer. On top of that, it's effective, isn't it? Works. There you go. People, process, prayer. Tell me about, tell me about the typical Aussie... You don't think that's working because they're three Ps and they sound organized. Is that right? People, process. So I should have made them... I should have made them yeah, anyway. Three Ps, four Cs... Three one six four four, four, four one. one. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I'll hand the mic back to Caro. She's more convincing. 
No, but seriously, I'm, I'm left thinking, um, Stu, I know you, and I've known you for years, and I know how strategic you are. Tell me about a typical kind of Aussie bloke or Aussie woman um, who... How does this equip them? Do they feel intimidated by this? Do they hear the letters, the numbers, and just go, oh, it's just all a bit much for me? Or does it... Tell me, tell me, how does it actually empower them? Just tell me a story. Sure. Yeah? Um, so we joke about the cards as well and the numbers, and we confuse them all the time, and we... A go about them. But, um, yes, there's someone in our life group, a lovely Christian lady who has been a Christian for a while and she works in a Christian school and her circle is Christian. And so she got this card and said, I actually don't have any non-Christian friends. So she actually got the card and said, well, my first step has to be the connect. So I actually have to find a friend who I can connect with who's not a Christian. So she um, had a, an acquaintance from school, a parent, and she said, I want to get to know this woman better. Um, she started chatting with her, and she, we were praying for her, obviously, as well. And she invited her to a intramedics party, but they came over and they came to her house. And that was the first step of connecting. I, I now have this friend. We're growing that friendship, and she's hoping to then grow that the next step to down the track, hopefully, be sharing Jesus or church or life with her. But that's just that baby step of starting. And I think they hear the things Stu talks about, but he breaks it down for them so they can actually do it. That's good. Now, Stu, you just, you've already said it, but tell us one more time. For someone who's thinking, I'm not sure I can pull all that off, what, what, what's the key principle, the two key principles that you've, you've, you, we need to hear about evangelism? Prayer and process. Hmm. Is that simple enough? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. it we've got to believe prayer is going to be the thing that makes a difference and you've got to step away from this sweaty conversation stuff to saying we can celebrate being on the journey along the way. Got to have a process. Yep. Got it? All that stuff's available on our website if you want to find that big picture I showed you. And anything else you want, just drop us an email, newlifeanglican.org.au. Really happy to help anyone who's interested.